Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swaminathan. And I'm Jenny Beck-Esme. So Jenny, what's been going on lately? Well, last week we had the, the All NYC Conference for all the residents in New York City. Um, and everybody comes together. It's, it's really cool. And this time it was co-hosted by the Essentials Group, which made it even better. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun event. You know, we do this twice a year, and it's the only place where you can get 500 residents in a room at one time. And that's what we've got going on. And then this year, it was just, you know, taking it up another level. The Essentials Group reached out and said they wanted to come out and do this. And of course, I said yes, because what comes with Essentials is the production value and the equipment and just the professionalism of putting on an amazing conference. And I mean, you saw us in Vegas last year. You saw what it's like. This was an incredible event. But I'll tell you, if you're interested, come and see what we've got going on in Vegas. It is a ton of fun, entertainment, education. It is what a quote-unquote conference should be. And we say that because they hate calling it a conference. It is really fun. I got to go last year, and I'm getting to go again this year. And, and like to go to a conference where there's a jazz band on stage playing the speakers on and off, it just keeps you so interested and excited. And the learning is great, and the social events are great. I, just, it, I had a great time, so I'm super excited to go back again. This is one of the events that I look forward to every year. So I'm psyched, and, and I'm psyched that you're coming out. And Trudy Cloyd, who I know we've mentioned Trudy a couple of times, she did that great visualization talk just a couple months ago. She's going to be coming out too. So we're going to have a really good time um, with the Essentials group, having a couple of drinks, having some fun. You know, Maybe we'll uh, all break the bank at Vegas, and then we won't have to come back to work either. Well, we'll come back to work for fun only. Yeah, that's the thing. We we know ourselves. Even if we came back millionaires, we'd still probably come to work because we just enjoy it so damn much. We do. We love it. All right. So uh, speaking of enjoying it, what are we going to talk about today for the podcast? Well, so this week I got to do a journal update in conference that was on acute kidney injury after IV contrast media. And I reviewed an article that's in press from Annals of Emergency Medicine. So I thought we could talk about that. Oh, sounds great. I love this topic. So uh, let's dive in. Yeah, let's start with a little bit of background. So IV contrast media is used all the time in the emergency department for CT scans. We do this because it improves the accuracy of our CT scans, which can lead us to a faster and better, more accurate diagnosis. It can be a problem, however, though, because of this concern for contrast-induced nephropathy. Prior studies in the literature have linked IV contrast to the development of acute kidney injury, as well as to the increased risk of major adverse events that include things like needing to start dialysis, renal failure, strokes, MIs, and even death. I'm sure everyone listening has changed their CT scan orders after they've seen their patient's creatinine in fear of making their renal function worse. Yeah, you know, the problem with a lot of that literature that was there in the past is that it predated the modern use of low and isoosmolar contrast media. So there's a chance that the contrast media we use now is safer. I mean, that's why we've moved to these uh, different media. Additionally, most of our literature on the subject is actually based on findings on arterial angiographic studies, and this is not what we're doing with RCT scans. Those are much larger diodes; They're done differently, so maybe it's not applicable to what we actually do in the emergency department. So, Jenny, what was the article that you reviewed? So the article in question was Hinson et al., Risk of Acute Kidney Injury After Intravenous Contrast Media Administration in Annals of Emergency Medicine. It was a large, single-center, retrospective study in which they tried to find the incidence of AKI after ED administration of IV contrast for CT scans. 
And the methods of inclusion here are actually pretty interesting. So they included all patients over 18 years old who had a CT scan with IV contrast, but they also included patients who didn't get IV contrast, and they also included patients who didn't get a CT scan at all. So that's how they made this comparison across groups. Now, patients must have had both an initial creatinine measured in the eight hours before CT scan, as well as a second measurement that was done somewhere between two to three days after the CT scan was performed. They excluded some groups of patients as well. Now, they left out patients with an initial creatinine that was less than 0.4 milligrams per deciliter. And this was interesting. This was done to minimize the inclusion of random laboratory error that caused that looked like cases of AK, AKI. So basically, if the initial one was super low and then the next one was just kind of normal, they didn't want to call that AKI. They thought that could be due to a random lab error. They also left out patients who had an initial creatinine that was greater than or equal to 4.0. And they did this because the patients there already met criteria for severe AKI. They also left out patients who had renal failure already or who were on dialysis. And then lastly, they left out patients who had an ED visit or a CT scan within the prior six months or who had a CT scan within the 72 hours following their study ED visit. Now, they did this to try and minimize confounding effects of any other IV contrast that the patient may have received. Now, in order to look at the incidence of AKI, the authors measured AKI in two different ways to make absolutely sure that they weren't under-reporting the incidence. They looked at the most frequently published criteria for CIN, or contrast-induced nephropathy, which is an absolute increase in the serum creatinine by greater than or equal to 0.5 milligrams per deciliter, or an increase of 25% over the baseline serum creatinine level at 48 to 72 hours after imaging. In addition to that, they also looked at the criteria from the AKI Network Kidney Disease Improving Global Outcomes Guidelines. Now, not something that I'm very familiar with, and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes, but it is something that is well accepted as another way to measure AKI. So Jenny, let's cut to the chase a little bit here. What did they actually find? So they looked at nearly 18,000 patient visits and used a multivariate logistic regression model and ultimately found that there was no independent effect of contrast media on the probability of developing AKI. These results didn't change based on which of the criteria they used to establish AKI. So either of those two ways of looking at AKI didn't show any independent effect of contrast media on the probability of developing AKI. Right. So again, they found no independent effect of contrast media on the probability. And and that's, you know, I wouldn't say it's groundbreaking, but it's pretty incredible because we've been taught for so long that this is something we have to worry about. Now, they did find some factors that were associated with a higher probability of developing AKI, and these kind of make sense. These are the things that we often do worry about. So increased age, the administration of nephrotoxic medications, and also some pre-existing conditions like CHF, CKD, or hypoalbuminemia. And then also importantly, they found that the administration of IV crystalloids, so IV fluids, was associated with a lower probability of AKI. I think that finding is kind of interesting because we've always been taught that hydrate your patients before the study, hydrate your patients after the study, that'll reduce the risk of developing any of these issues. But there's another recent study called the Amazing Trial, and that's amazing with a C, not a Z, because clearly that's how you smell amazing. And in that trial, they showed that no hydration was non-inferior to using hydration in preventing CIN. So we've got some conflicting data here. Ryan Radecki had a nice review of this article, and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. 
Now, Swami, this was a pretty good study. They looked at a lot of patients, and it actually evaluates IV contrast like we use rather than the intra-arterial contrast that was looked at in prior studies. Were there any limitations that you saw in the study? Uh, Yeah, there's a couple. You know, the big one is that it's a retrospective study. And of course, what we'd like to see is a prospective, randomized, double-blind control trial. But it's hard to do that. You know, the thing is that we are operating under the assumption that CIN exists and so that giving contrast could be nephrotoxic and could be deleterious to the patient. And so it's hard to then justify doing a randomized control trial. In addition to that, it was performed in one center with one patient population. So maybe this isn't generalizable. In addition to that, the majority of the patients in the study were admitted. So they're likely to be sicker than the general population that we scan and then discharge home. But that would have led to the possible overestimation of the incidence of AKI. And since they found no effective contrast, even with this possible overestimation, this may speak in favor of the study, right? I completely agree. That's a really good point. So maybe we're we're actually uh, overestimating the risk of this based on the methodology and how the study was put together. So what's the bottom line for what we're seeing in this particular article? Well, it seems like there is no association between giving IV contrast for a CT scan with the current contrast agents and AKI. If a patient presents and needs a CT and contrast is necessary for the diagnosis you're concerned for, give the contrast, regardless of the creatinine. Now, it's not always that simple. Giving IV contrast will depend to a certain degree on how life-threatening the diagnosis is you're looking for. For instance, if you're concerned for aortic dissection, give the contrast, because a non-con CT isn't going to be very helpful. This study argues for the use of IV fluids for prophylaxis, but perhaps that's overrated as well. I couldn't agree with you more. And what's interesting is the American College of Radiology agrees with these conclusions as well. They say that if the patient's GFR is greater than 30, you really don't have to avoid using contrast. Now, I think, again, that's kind of groundbreaking or surprising to us because we're always told by our radiologists, oh, that person's creatinine is 1.8. I don't really want to give them contrast. It's not that simple. GFR greater than 30, you probably should be using the contrast if it's indicated. And like you said, that is the key. I like that bottom line that you got to. If you need contrast to make the diagnosis, give contrast. Getting a suboptimal study doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Well, that's all for the Coriem podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coriem.net, where we've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and like us. Follow us on Google Plus and on Twitter, where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks and see you all next week.